By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. Welcome to the Conscious Fertility Podcast. My guest today is Christina Grote, and I am really excited to talk to her. I'm just loving these podcasts, and I'm meeting such amazing people. And I think Christina and I are in sync here in some of the desires and dreams we have for the future, and I can really see what she's doing in the world and the resources she's going to talk about today can support the women and the men that are on their journey to grow their families. And so, let me give you a, a brief introduction to Christina, and then we're going to dive into some fun stuff today, I hope. She grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she made this, as she shared with me, this unusual choice to move to Columbus, because Ohio, because not too many people go from San Francisco to the east that way, because it's so beautiful there. And that was back in the 1970s, and that was after her following four years of international travel, where she lived like in Amsterdam and Afghanistan, and in my country, Montreal, and eventually landed, as she shared, in the hill town of McLeod Ganj, India, and where she sat with the Dalai Lama. So we're going to get lots of stuff to talk about because she's got some great history. She does have a passion, a lifelong interest in natural healing, and she became a licensed massage therapist back in the 80s, and many types of body work, energy work, therapeutic sound, music, and color therapy as well. And her quest to find ways for her clients to improve their well-being led her to create self-care classes that included elements of integral transformative practice known as ITP. And we're going to talk a lot about this. And Christine and I off of camera talked about how there's some overlap with uh, my strategy of notice, accept, choose again, my NAC approach as well. Her practice further let her started an ITP group in Columbus in 2004, and she's truly a lover of nature, the arts, the outdoors. She's a jack of many trades, not just in body work, but she enjoys painting, sculpting with clay and concrete. And she also gets out there and hikes and paddle boards, plays music, and she loves to learn, learn new things. And that's why, um, Christina, I'm so glad to have you come and join us today, just because you got a really cool, diverse background. You've studied with many, and I'm really interested in talking about this integral transformative practice because the people that are listening to this podcast are looking for transformation. They're looking to grow their families and transform themselves into mothers and fathers. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. Can you um, start with maybe tell us a little bit about ITP, what this is about and, and why our listeners may be of interest to this resource? ITP, well, it stands for, as you said, Integral Transformative Practice. That's a mouthful. I just finished writing a book to further describe it with a collaborator and friend, uh, Pamela Kramer. So that'll be coming out in a month or so. What's the title of that book, by the way? The title is Living an Extraordinary Life. So that's what you know. we're trying to point to the founders of ITP 
we're pointing towards, you know, our greater potential as human beings. So it was begun in the early 90s with an experimental group actually in Mill Valley, California, where I'm from. George Leonard is was, he passed 10 years ago, a senior editor for Look Magazine, very involved in the civil rights movement, you know, reported all over the world. Michael Murphy is the co-founder of the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, and also you know, author of multiple books. And I should mention, George is also a fifth-degree black belt in Aikido. The two of them met at a dinner party in the 60s, shortly after Esalen had opened, which was in the early 60s, and immediately you know, clicked and Together, they wrote a manifesto for human potential. They're, they're considered to be you know, the fathers of the human potential movement. In the 60s, things were different. You know, the awarenesses that we have now were just starting. You know, for example, the mind-body connection. You know, yoga was not on every street corner. There was a lot of conversation then about, you know, who can we be beyond what we've been told, you know, beyond what we've believe. And they both worked you know, through the Esalen Institute and their own writings to provide pathways for people to explore their greater potentials. So finally, in the 90s, they came together and said, hey, you know, let's put some of our ideas into practice and create a program that people can work with on their own to advance you know, their own potentials, their openings that they might have had. At Esalen, you know, people go for workshops, people do all kinds of other transformative work, but oftentimes you know, there'll be an opening, there'll be an experience, an aha, but there's no way to carry it forward. You go back home, you go back to your life, it becomes a memory. So how do we build on that? How do we continue to open and unfold? So this practice they created is integral, meaning that it involves and integrates all aspects of ourselves. So body, mind, heart, and soul. It's transformative. And that's how, you know, really how you can define that for yourself. We say transform yourself, transform the world. ITP is about inner transformation. But since Really, there's no separation. You know, whatever you do inside yourself, of course, has a reflection in the outer world. So transformation, we define as any positive change that you want to make in your life from ordinary to extraordinary. And then practice, of course, we talk about it as a long-term practice, meaning, you know, something you stick with, something you commit to. It becomes part of your life, really. I want to touch on something you had said about, what was the phrase, transform yourself, transform your world? Yes. And to just emphasize, you're talking about this as inner work. You're having an inner transformation, and then the world reflects back to you what's happening inside of you, is what I think I heard. Yeah, that really seems to be the case. I think everyone's probably had an experience where when they were able to change their attitude about something or someone that the world around them seems to change as well. You know, we could talk about that more when we talk about affirmations, perhaps, which is one of the practices of ITP. The actual practice of ITP has nine what we call core practice intentions. So it has a structure, 
but it's a loose one. It's just we're trying to bring together healthy practices for the body, for the mind, for the heart, and for the soul. And together, when we practice these things, we can create a sense of balance, a sense of inner coherence. And ultimately, it can be a launch pad for what George Leonard called places yet unknown. When you talk about the ITP, you mention how you know you explore your ordinary and extraordinary capabilities or capacities, I think is the word you use. Do you have examples of this? Like, what are you thinking of or what have you witnessed when you talk about ordinary or, in this case, extraordinary capacities using um, this approach? It could be as simple as learning to make a better lasagna. That would be extraordinary for me, by the way. <laughs> for some people, that would be ordinary. <laughs> right. When I talk about extraordinary, I'm referring to Michael Murphy's work. Just when they were creating ITP, you know, Michael was finishing his magnum opus, The Future of the Body, which is a big book. It's encyclopedic, but it's also kind of laying out the vision for what became ITP. But in that book, he gives examples throughout cultures, throughout times of people who had extraordinary abilities. So he was looking for commonalities of what those people were doing and what they were able to experience. And some of it, you know, is natural. I think that's what I want to say about that is the future of the body is pointing out what is natural. Like these capacities are latent within us, but we are not trained. We're, they're not normally developed. We don't learn about it in school. He's pointing out things like, you know, people's ability to um, remember you know, in extraordinary ways or things like precognition, you know, all the whole realm of what we're calling psychic ability, telepathy, clairvoyance. So you're talking about like, they're there and they're natural meaning. So you're unlocking these capacities. I think of, you know, the video game idea where you're unlocking certain things of your character. Now you've got more capacity abilities. They're always there, but you had to reach a certain level to unlock. And this would be the practice that you do in ITP. By practicing, you're going to start to unlock some of these capacities or abilities. You could say unlock. You could say set the stage for their arising. Right. There, there is this you know, dialectic, I suppose, is the, the word, the practice, then setting the stage or allowing it to arise. Is it there already and it's unfolding or is it actually being developed? It's probably both. Like we have these potentials, but they're not developed. So allowing this whole being integration seems to enable whatever, if it's setting the stage or if it's unlocking, we start to become naturally more and more aware of these things. I mean, people in our you know, practice communities talk about things they experience, like having more synchronicities. And, and I don't know if you have talked with your listeners much about this. Let's talk about these synchronicities because some of the women I, I'm seeing in my practice doing the conscious work that's one of the coolest things when they start to notice all these synchronicities that line them up with a procedure or a product or service that was the tipping point for them to grow their family, for example. But a few things had to happen, synchronicities, coincidences, which are really just synchronicities. 
let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's important. Important in that because some people are looking for the big miracle, like the wow. And it's been my experience that there's often small little wows that if you notice them, you get momentum and you start to notice more of these synchronicities, opportunities that happen in your life. Has that been something that you've also experienced or you're seeing only big wows? Oh, yeah. No, no, all, all kinds of mostly little wows. <laughs> and that's great. What I should back up and say for a minute is this we're seeing this is an evolutionary process. And evolution um, in our way of looking at it tends to go incrementally, you know, small steps. And maybe sometimes there's a big wow, but usually incremental change. So those little synchronicities, or you could call them micro synchronicities, are to me, they're affirming that I'm on the right track, I guess, when they happen to me. That's what. I heard recently in my practice just last week is she got this synchronous, she, she put something out there. She wanted a sign basically. And she got it like literally exactly what she had asked for. And that gave her some confidence that she was on the right track. It's like following a trail of breadcrumbs sometimes. And, and of course you have to use your discernment within all that. It can be very exciting. And, you know, I find that in our practice, the use of affirmations where you, you're really taking a stand for something and you're clearly visualizing it and you've made a, you know, a positive present tense statement about it. So we have a whole you know, practice around the use of affirmations. When people do that, that seems to be what allows for you maybe noticing what was there all the time, but we didn't see it. Or perhaps, I mean, we don't know, right? We don't know how this works. There's this sort of interplay with, you know, the imagination and our outer world, you know, our, our inner world and our outer world. And things can manifest in ways that we would have never dreamed of. And that's a big part of this, too, is, you know, we stand for it, but we also surrender to what wants to show up because our ego isn't really in control. And uh, we have to let go so that greater things can happen sometimes. Can we talk a little bit about the affirmations? Because I talk about like baby manifestation. And when I looked at the ITP site and how you realize your affirmations, I thought your process was quite similar. And I want to share because some people say affirmations, come on, like, you know, some people say affirmations are just lies, right? That you tell yourself. I want to bring up Einstein's quote as we go into this discussion because Einstein says, make things as simple as possible, but not simpler. Mm -hmm. Affirmations, you could say an affirmation and it's just this one-liner and that may be too simple. And so it's simple. There is some steps and processes that seem to make it more beneficial that you guys talk about in the ITP. And so that's why I say Einstein says, make it as simple as possible, not too simple. You could distill it down so simple that it loses its value is basically what he's saying. And I think the way you guys are doing it, how I share it as well, isn't too simple. Can you walk us through kind of some of the, the steps that you guys do with the, with the affirmations? Our basic process is to identify a key area and then create a positive present tense statement that embodies that transformation that you want to make in your life. It's always in your life. It's always positive and present tense. And the way that George Leonard spoke about it is that we're creating a parallel present tense reality. 
like that. Yeah. So we're not denying what's happening right here, right now, but we're creating a parallel reality that we empower through the affirmations. I'll share here on this. I just to tie this in is um, one of our episodes we had Bill Bankston, and, and he says, assume there's multiple dimensions of you, and there is a dimension where you have a child. Because right now you're in a dimension where you don't have a child. There's a dimension where you have a child or a, another child. He says, all you're doing is changing lanes. This is a process to change lanes, mm-hmm. as you said, to go to a parallel present tense. Uh, I like how you're saying this, just it's a parallel present tense. So you're not denying what's happening now. In my training from uh, in clinical hypnotherapy, we just have understood that the subconscious only understands now. So hence, it has to be present tense, not in the future. And it only understands positive. The joke is like, Try not to think of a white elephant, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it has to be not what you don't want, but what you do want and is if you have it now. That's right. So you create the statement, you know, ITP is all about embodiment and the wisdom of the body. So we bring our affirmations into the body and we have a lot of ways of working with them. One of them is doing the, the movement series we do called the kata which is part of keto and some yoga and joint movements. And it ends up going through affirmations and then releasing it into meditation. We do affirmations in a very relaxed state. And that's very important. I think you say that as well, that uh, for them to go deep in the psyche, you need to be physically as relaxed as possible. So we go through a progressive relaxation sequence as part of this kata, you know, tensing, releasing the muscles on all the muscles of the body, and then going through an internal sort of body scan and releasing every part and, you know, some breathing. And then by that time, after you've done all the movements and all the relaxation, you're in a very fertile state, a very receptive state for affirmations. So that's the period that we do them as part of the kata. And so we try to bring them alive as much as we possibly can in our imagination, feeling, believing, seeing, hearing, smelling, you know, any of your senses, all of them that you can bring to bear. If yourself in that transformed state, whatever that you've chosen for yourself. So you bring it alive. And we also add physical movements that would express how you would feel if that affirmation has come to pass, or it already has in that present tense reality. So how do you feel? What parts of your body do you want to bring alive? So there are a lot of things you can do just to to use your hands and just make it as alive as possible. So that's the focus part. And then though, it's very important to surrender it. Now, that is a huge ask. I have an approach that I call NAC to help us surrender and get into the present moment. But I'm curious what your approach is. And the reason I say it's a big ask is, yeah, I want to be in the now. Yes, I want to surrender. But do you have a how-to to surrender? <laughs> it's, it's a nice intention to set, but... Um, it is. It isn't easy at all because we always, you know, we want to control the outcome. We want what we want. We hang on so tight to it. But that can actually get in the way of things working themselves through the way that they need to, that we might not realize. 
some of our experts have called that like being attached to form and outcome and and that leads to resistance in chinese medicine we say qi stagnation and then mm. that as you said gets in the way when you have resistance in the body body mind and spirit it slows down receptivity and allowing and our whole goal here for when it comes to reproductive health is receptivity right to receive and Christine, I think you had something you wanted to share more about the practical use of um, affirmations, and I had interrupted you. So do you want to get back on that path and, sh and share that with us? Yeah, just a few things about ways to work with them. Besides doing them as part of you know, your practice, if you're not doing ITP or the kata, you can go through some your own relaxation process and do your affirmations in your own way. But also, you can work with them in ways like you know, putting them on post-it notes and sticking up them up around your house where you could see them or have a screensaver on your computer that will come up. And just to keep reminding you throughout the day of what you're affirming. And you know, another way we work with it is we, as much as safely possible, um, to act as if this affirmation has already occurred. And so part of that is it's, it's not so much the external manifestation as much as what does it feel like for me, in me, to have this um, affirmation manifest in my present reality. So that, that's a way you know, of acting as if. I love the story that Tom Waits told. He's a songwriter, singer-songwriter, and he was asked about his creative process. So he said he likes to imagine his songs are like birds or insects, and they're coming in through the window, and they're going like out his hands onto the page or anything, and then they fly back out when they're done. But he says, you have to be an interesting place for them to land. That's just, for me, such a powerful idea. It's like, what is attractive about you that's going to bring what you want to manifest to you? I guess that's a way that I look at it. I've heard it as in you have to become it, right? For it to find you. I, again, Dispenza says your personal reality is based on your personal personality. And so if you take your current personality into the future, you're going to get the same world. Mm-hmm. This ties into our very beginning of the inner work and people have inner transformations and then they perceive the world differently, they experience it differently. I share that sometimes miracles happen and the external world changes as well, but the key is your perception changes. And this is that idea of being interesting, right? That's, that'll find you, is that you have this transformation inside. So something about you is a little different. Not all of you, you still get to bring some parts of you into the future, but there is a transformation. And so your beingness changes, which is why your experience and your world is different from what you've experienced in the past. I think that's how I'm interpreting that idea of being interesting. Am I the kind of person as I am now you know, who could experience this? Is there something in me that needs, needs to shift or needs to become more interesting in his words? We've seen this practical in real world, like, you know, people that win the lottos, a few years later, they have the same amount of money as before they had the lotto. Mm -hmm. 
I've heard some entrepreneurs like the Jim Rohn say, to be a millionaire, you have to be a millionaire inside. Like you have to, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's you, right? So if you're have a poverty mindset and you win $10 million, what they show is in a few years, you're in poverty again. Yeah. Because you haven't changed. The external world changed. You got the money. This is about first you have to change on the inside and then the external world matches you. Curious to hear more about your surrendering process to bring down that resistance to encourage allowing and receptivity. It can close you off to, like you mentioned, the synchronicities people see around them. If you only want to see this thing, it's only going to show up this way. You could miss everything else around you that could get you where you need to go. So, in terms of surrender, um, Michael Murphy wrote in The Future of the Body about the unseen forces of grace. And, and that's a phrase I use a lot for myself. We don't know really what these forces are, but we know that there are forces beyond our ego. At the simplest level, it can be your unconscious. At other levels, it could be guides, angels, the divine God. However you're oriented, there are greater forces in the universe that seem to be there to help us when we've set a firm intention. We can you know, consciously engage those energies or we can just surrender to, you know, you don't have to know. I don't have to know. I mean, some people do. It's just like letting go and letting God is one phrase that people use. And, you know, that's, that's a great one. It's like, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We're holding our intention and we're letting it go. And we do have an exercise, a few exercises that we do to aid that process, like, you know, hitting a gong and focusing on the sound as long as you can. And it, the sound gradually dissipates and dissipates into silence. And you can just sort of travel with that, you know, into that surrender, silent place. You can do it with your breathing too, just when you inhale a breath and, and you wait. You exhale, you wait. And that in, next inhalation is almost like a surprise. Breathe out, we surrender. Breathe in. This surrender, again, the NAC, that this um, structure I have, I can see how the ITP works with this. And in the accepting what is, which I call surrendering, like you mentioned, there's the breath. You can use sound. I've used tools like EFT, Psyche, all things bring you to surrender. And I wanted to share kind of like a, a metaphor I have for the surrendering process of this letting go. The idea, the, imagine, the imagination that came to me was that we're going to find this surrendering and you can either be brought to your knees. With fertility, I see this with so many people. It's such a struggle, the journey, the unsuccessful pregnancy tests or IVF cycles, it can bring you to your knees. And as you kind of mentioned, you can do it unconsciously or consciously, the surrender, and you're talking about consciously. So you can do it kicking and screaming unconsciously, you're suffering, or you can consciously use tools to help you surrender. And the story I share is you're in the pool, but you're not aware you're in the shallow end and your knees are bent and your arms are flailing and you think you're drowning and you're getting exhausted and your arms are just going and you finally can't do it anymore. You're exhausted and you just surrender. You give up and you sink a bit and your knees hit 
the shallow end of the pool and you notice that your nose is above and you can breathe and you're, you're okay, that's unconsciously doing it. And consciously, I tell people, you're in the shallow end. So in my NA, notice, I, I can't, I'm drowning, right? And then surrender. Oh, I'm in the shallow end. Stand up. <laughs> so, so you don't have to be brought to your knees. You can just choose to stand up. And that's kind of how I'm thinking what you guys are doing with ITP and the surrender. Give it to a higher power. Surrender. Let it go. Breathe. Rather than going fully unconscious, you're choosing to stay with this unpleasant experience and using tools to help you surrender into the moment. I'm just wondering if that's, because that's how I'm interpreting what's what's happening. And then in that surrender and that letting go, the resistance diminishes or, or goes. And now I think what's happening is you now have access to these extraordinary capacities. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. For me, it's just, I can sort of feel it when I've surrendered. Because I will, you know, personally, I'll call in my helpers, my guides, at the end of my practice, if there are things that I'm working on, and I'll just call them in and I'll just be there with that presence. And I can feel a presence and it feels like a handshake almost. You know, it's like there's sort of a, a click or a clunk. or It's hard to describe, but a feeling of settling. And it's like, oh yeah, I feel you, you know. It's a knowing, though. That, that it's a visceral. It's in your body. You know it's that, it's, that you're okay. And then, I'll, and sometimes just things will drop into my mind, which can be really helpful. Yeah, and that's also where I'm. I'm thinking of the Eckhart Tolle, the author of Power of Now. But when you're in that surrender, I'm interpreting it as that when you fully surrender, you have that handshake. You know it in your body. For me, it's a sense of peace and relief because the resistance is gone. Right. So that's why it feels good. When you're fighting with it, when you're in resistance, when you have this cheese stagnation, you're stressed, you're kind of in that reptilian brain, and so you're in survival mode. But when you can surrender, as you're describing it, you become whole brain now. So you're resourced. And as you said, thoughts or ideas drop in. That's what happens because now you have, and we know this from research, you actually have access to creative parts of your brain that you normally don't have access to. And there's those extraordinary capacities again. This idea of being able to surrender and how often every moment, right? <laughs> surrender, surrendering, then you get to access these. And that's why it's a practice because I wasn't born that way to be able to just surrender, surrender, or be in the moment. And it sounds like the tools like ITP are, again, tools to help you be in that moment. That's the way I'm trying to understand or describe it. Yeah, you know, particularly with that, that one of our core practices, but it, it's part and parcel of of the whole thing. So taking care of the body, you know, exercise, ingesting good food, good drink, all of the things that you ingest, being positive, you're not even the, your mental attitudes, of course. ITP stresses being your own authority too. And that's in fact number one. You know, we know what's best for ourselves. And we have our own inner knowledge and inner wisdom that we can rely on and use our own discernment. So in our practice, people decide what's good for them. And this sort of came out of you know, the gurus who were coming in the 60s, and people would tend to give over all their authority to 
you know, these exotic people who seem to be enlightened and know everything. And sometimes that didn't turn out very well. George and Michael really stressed um, personal autonomy and personal authority. So people decide what's right for them in ITP, even though we have these nine practices. You know, people interpret and use them the, the way that they see fit and the way that works best for their own lives. I have a question around that. I'm a fan of that, knowing your, being your authority, right? Knowing your yes. When you're out of balance, mind and body, though, those signals can get messed up or mixed up. And so I guess what I've witnessed is for myself and for others is when I'm really out of balance, I'm making choices to stay out of balance. Like there's that momentum going there, you know? So I'm just wondering what you think of that. Cause it's not always like, Oh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm the person's like, yeah, it feels yes. Yes. Doing cocaine every day feels like a, feels like a yes for me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we can, like, we can talk ourselves into that. So there's a kind of some layers to this. Um, that's where I'm saying things can be made as simple as possible, not simpler. I run quoting Einstein just for our listeners. Cause I know there's going to be somebody that's going to go, Oh, great. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my sugar diet and my Coke habit because it feels good. It feels right. It feels like my yes. Yeah, you're bringing up something really important. I guess all I could say right now is those yeses will eventually turn into no's. We may be following this path, but ultimately we hope that the wisdom comes, the insight comes, or what to move us in a more positive direction. I mean, that's what ITP is focusing on is, you know, how we can transform our life to providing practices to do that. If someone's not ready, they won't take advantage of that. And, you know, of course, we recommend that people seek guidance when they need it, you know, professional guidance. And that's part of being an authority of knowing when to ask for help. Yeah. And there's a reason why we're not the only person on this planet. If we could do it all, then there'd be no need for anybody else. But there's a lot of us because we need each other. And I can't remember who said it, but I thought, I, I love the example. He said that uh, maybe it was at a Joe Dispenza retreat I was at. I can't remember. But uh, what I heard is we're all in these glass jars and everybody has a label facing outward. So it's obvious for me to tell you, Christina, what you need to do, because I can read your label. But I, my label's facing out, so I can't figure out for me. So it, when you know what exactly probably what, I, what could help me, but I can't see, and it's not obvious to me because it's facing out. So I need you to read my label for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, I heard something similar. I think it was Rosalind Breer who said it. She's a healer and teacher many years ago at a conference. She said, you can't heal yourself. We could certainly debate this. Mm -hmm. She said, you can't heal yourself. She said, that's what other people are for. Interesting. Yeah. And that, that really stuck with me. It's like, in a way, I, I can understand that from the point of view is, you know, we only have our own energies to work with. And if we need a different energy, you know, we need to go to someone else for that. That's sort of how I hear it. Yeah. And I always think of yin yang, it's, it's both your healing, you're doing the transformation healing. I would take it, this is how I'm experiencing it anyhow, is um, with my patients is I'm the facilitator, you're the healer, right? You're doing the healing, you're doing the, because when I'm doing conscious work and with your ITP work, 
I'm saying things and maybe having like the somatic acupuncture or body movement, but the thought process, the feeling, it's all inside of them. I'm not experiencing that. That's happening inside of them. And so I really got clear on, I'm your guide, I'm your facilitator, but you're doing all the transformation and the healing, not me. Absolutely. That's how I approached my healing work too. It's just, you know, creating the conditions or their body's wisdom to kick in and do what it needs to do. I had another question for you on the on the topic where we're talking about you're an authority. So I'm in agreement with that, by the way, because nothing is always absolute this way. There's always the exceptions. I've um, experienced this for me personally, and I've experienced this in the people I've facilitated conscious work with, is sometimes they have a subconscious programming that's preventing them currently to have those extraordinary capacities or capabilities. Uh, For one is I don't deserve to have it all, right? So we self-sabotage. And so again, that's why I was questioning where an authority, I'm like, well, well, sometimes there's things that will help me get what I think I want, but I unconsciously will sabotage it, right? Because I don't feel like, well, most of us in humanity, we're, you know, I think we're more the same than different. We're running the same programs. The stories may look different, but I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. I don't deserve to have it all. How good can I have it? When's that shoe going to drop? So I feel that's very unconscious where sometimes we make decisions because things are going so well. People may be coming to you, working with you, and they're having momentum. Things are going great. And then all of a sudden, they cancel and stop seeing you, find all their excuses. Why? Because they don't deserve to have it all. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I'm blanking on the name now of the person who developed it, but we're talking about competing commitments to, yes, I want to be healthy, but I really like to stay in bed. You know, I mean, right. simple and extreme, but we can have these scripts that are running unconsciously. You know, inner work is really important. I mean, the work that you're doing with people, and sometimes we really do need to uncover those things. The point of ITP, I guess, is to bring ourselves into conscious alignment, into coherence, so that we're, as much as possible, you know, 100% behind our affirmations, you know, talking about that again. So if part of you is just not buying it, not into it for some reason or other, it's not going to work as well. It reminds me for our audience where. In the conscious work after a series of sessions, what comes up is what they realize is they don't want the baby, but socially they're supposed to have it, or their partner wants it, or their parents wants it, or culturally they're supposed to, but in the end, they really don't want to have children. You don't have to justify it. Or there's a program because of the childhood they had and the parents they had, they're afraid for their child. Or there's a fear of pregnancy loss because they've seen loss or miscarriages. It's just interesting how sometimes there's this little bit of um, resistance that's getting in the way for some of the cho- healthy choices. Yeah, it's so important to uncover that in that case. I and mean, those are life-changing <laughs> revelations. And it's all about being conscious. I'm not here to decide what you want. You are, right? That's, And I'm here to facilitate help you come to terms with what you want. But it's just interesting, as you mentioned, that competing doesn't happen often. Majority of the people I see, they're pretty clear they want it and they're looking to grow their families. But there's been in my 20 plus years, a few revelations where 
they share at one point. Yeah, I don't want this child. And that's a wow, tough one too. Because of your experience, because you have 20 plus years of, of practice, you shared with me that there's this idea that there's more available to us than we believe. Do you unpack that for me and tell me what, what you mean by that, that there's more available to us than we believe? Yeah, well, it's, it's, I guess you know, we've been talking around it quite a bit. George Leonard said, you know, what we're made of is mostly unused potential. In our culture, you know, we tend to value, you know, certain things. And we provide resources for those things, but not other things. So, you know, things like psychic ability, for example, hasn't been valued in our culture. You know, we're not encouraged to explore it. And children often will have experiences that they tell their parents about. They see colors around someone, for example, you'll say, oh, no, no, you're just imagining things. And after a while, the child shuts that down and so usually forgets it ever happened. That's just you know one example. These things are natural to us. Um, there's a book called First Sight by James Carpenter. And he says, we have information coming to us all the time, but it's filtered out of our conscious awareness. Most all of it is. So we're not even aware that we're processing on this other level until something does come to consciousness, but most of it doesn't. But we can learn to listen more to the information that's coming to us. So it's like we have these capacities that just aren't recognized, they're denied, they're laughed at sometimes. People are afraid of them. You know, what would it be like if we could read each other's thoughts? That's a scary thought if we could all do that. So I I think there's some natural um, dampening down of this just for societal health. But I think we do have, you know, these capacities. Precognition is a big one. I know Julia Mosbridge talked about that. She's a friend of mine. Yeah. So, and Julia introduced you and I, Christina, right, so I'm right. grateful. So, she, she's episode 18. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have um, her colleagues, uh, Dean Rading and John Kruth. Dean's part of the Noetic Institute IONS. So if you're the sci about precognition and telepathy and the other things that you're talking about, these capacities, that we have um, Dean Radin, episode 16, and Julia was episode 18, and John Kruth was episode 15, if people want to explore that more. I'm curious what you have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, Dean's done great research on it. In my, my personal experience, it's very minimal. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a nature person. Where I tend to play is with, I guess you could call it nature mysticism. I feel... I guess the moods of nature, the movement, you know, a deep sense of connection. And of course, we're part of it all, right? I mean, we arose out of single celled organisms back in bubbling tidal pools. We don't know for sure. There's an unbroken connection from there to, to here, to us in our human bodies, that I like to feel into that. I like to feel, I guess, you know, Goethe talked about this active seeing, you know, that we 
are engaging with an intelligent universe that we're in reciprocity with. And we talked about that earlier, you know, the inner and the outer. There's really no separation. There's a continual reciprocity and continual generation, the way I see it, between us and what we observe, you know, as the outer world. And I start to feel that relating, that relationship more and more. So so I'm not talking about any particular capacity, but that maybe, I don't know what even that is, but that's my personal experience where I am right now in my life. I'm interested in that deeper felt sense of relationship. You're reminding me of a few personal stories about this uh, messages or precognition. And I remember when I was living in Montreal, CACPA, I'm training to be, and I got a clear message in a dream to, to move to Vancouver mm-hmm. and to get into, I didn't even know what it was, some type of holistic medicine. I ended up being Chinese medicine and, and clinical hypnotherapy, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I did get up and leave without a place to live or a job. And I went to Vancouver and it's worked out really well. Wow. And then I got another sign where I wasn't sure whether I should go back to accounting because I had tried to go into, um, I had left my, my career. I was a controller for the Ocean Spray Cranberry Growers here in British Columbia. So still in the accounting world. And I moved here, but I went into my old career. I didn't go into what I thought I was going to do. Didn't have the courage and to try something new. And um, I asked for a clear sign. A week later, I got the exact sign I asked for. And the question it was like, do I, I had, I got hit hunted for a, a job as a controller for another company. But at the time I was getting ready to go into a Chinese medicine school, thinking about it. I had an interview set up with that company, but I got the clear sign and I canceled the interview and I went to my Chinese medicine school. And here we are today. You're talking about these capacities. And to me, that's listening to these synchronicity because somebody go, oh, I can dismiss it. But I asked for a pretty clear sign. It was a weird one. And I got it. I'm like, all right, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so, <laughs> something, something out there has got my back, I think. I'm going to go for it. It was still scary, but I was like, I can't explain this. I'm going for it. And I think that's part of what we're sharing here, correct? I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's so good. Yeah. I can't make this stuff up. Yeah. You know, to me, that that gets really clear when, when things start happening around you that you never imagined and just seem beyond belief and it ends up changing your life. I mean, I've had some things like that happen where you just go, wow, you know, what is going on right now? These capacities are, are miracles. Um, there's somebody recently that I really like her story where she was diagnosed with premature ovarian insufficiency. So she's in her 30s, but meaning that she's no longer kind of ovulating, her ovaries are diminished. And in her case, her FSH levels are elevated, her AMH levels are really low, and her antifalcal count was zero. And when we did testing for ovulation, it was showing no ovulation. And for the people who are on the fertility journey, that's their language. So I don't even have to explain what those numbers are. That's, they get that. (laughs) They know those numbers, most of them. And in her case, what I want to share is that she came to do her work, the conscious work with our acupuncture, laser, herbal medicine. So again, it's still body mind, right? It wasn't just one little aspect. It was a very holistic approach. But the key for her was the conscious work. And and she had some um, 
trauma in her, her life. And again, I know with ITP, you know, you talk about the emotions getting trapped in the body and how they can affect our health and well-being. And so she did her work and it was just neat to see um, her transformation mentally and emotionally. And she started ovulating again. These are the things where like, you know, you just can't explain this, where she's now uh, well into her pregnancy. She got pregnant naturally. And again, and I want to share, that doesn't mean, oh, everybody, this happens for everybody. I, I do share, to put it into perspective, it's like buying the lotto. For every person that buys a lotto ticket, you get a winner. She's a winner. But there's so many people that didn't win the lottery. But you can't win the lotto without buying the ticket. But what was interesting with her, and it's with what I call these miracle cases where women have come where it doesn't make sense from a scientific perspective, that the likelihood is never impossible, but the likelihood is pretty low is they do come to a place, and this comes to that where you talked earlier about that attachment to form and outcome, like not having that, you know, having so much resistance there that it has to happen. They all come, I have to have this baby. Like, I'm not going to be okay if I don't have this baby. So they pretty much start that way. And then a few of them through the work come to a place where they go from, I need to, I must, I'm desperate to, I still want the baby and I'm okay if I don't have the baby. So they don't stop wanting it. And these are the women that I see often end up having these miracle babies. But even if they don't, it's still a success because they're no longer suffering. They're enjoying their lives. They still have the desire for the baby and they're still disappointed they didn't. But there's not this struggle. And I'm curious from the work that you're doing, are you seeing this with the people that you've worked with that they have a desire, but they don't always get that material manifestation of the desire? They're even better off because of the inner work and the transformation that's happened. I'm curious with the work that you're doing, have you witnessed this? Or you might find, you know, as you work with the practice and the affirmations, that the affirmation that you've made isn't exactly the right one. And so you can go and change it. We tend to stick with them for, you know, six to 12 months. But if it turns out that, gosh, that wasn't quite it, there's something under that, or there's something more, you know, that I need to work with maybe first, then you, know, you can shift your attention to work on that. I want to say something, though, you, you mentioned about the miracle case that reminded me of something about surrender, too. It's, it's often when you've given up that the shift can really happen. You know, I've seen that a lot. In my own life, too, like trying to get a job, trying to do something, trying, trying, trying and failing and it's not working. And it just finally just let it go. And boom, they get a call or something. And, you know, they've done this with research, too, with, you know, I guess you could call it mind over machine types of experiments where people have attempted to influence, a, say, a random number generator. And we're getting a little arcane, but but these are little machines that will truly put out a random stream of numbers. And so to influence that, you're trying to make it less random. So uh, people will sort of come into rapport with these machines. But if you try, 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 usually nothing will happen. But it's in the surrender. Of, of, it's in the not trying, even though you're... You're trying. You want it. Well... And I will share, because I've, I've been doing this for a while, so I'll tell you what I see is they come in saying, I'm not trying, I give up. They they stop their supplements or acupuncture, they go back, they say, I've given up, I don't try, but they're now using, I'm giving up as a way to get pregnant. 
they're not really giving up. They're pretending to give up. <laughs> that doesn't work because they, because they haven't really let go. So I want to clarify there's, because I see it all the time where yes. they're, they're saying it and they're pretending they're doing things. The giving up that we've seen is where people literally give up and they're like, we're done. You know, this cycle didn't work. They go with, if they're in a relationship to a beach, they get really drunk and stoned, have sex, and then they get pregnant because they really gave up because they weren't expecting to get pregnant. Actually, I got another good story for you. A woman I had worked with had repeated unsuccessful um, IVF cycles, and it destroyed her relationship with her. Mm -hmm. The man she was with, they ended up getting divorced. And she came back to me afterwards because she was on a one-night stand, and the gentleman asked her, oh, are you on birth control pill? Do I do I need protection? Because I, you know, I don't want to get you pregnant. And she goes, "Oh, sweetheart, I am birth control pill. Don't worry about it, <laughs> right?" <laughs> well, she got pregnant from, <laughs> from that night, <laughs> so we were working on her uh, pregnancy time. So that's giving up, right? No expectation, fully letting go, right? And so that's that surrender idea. I want to go back to that miracle case where she came to that place where she was okay. Actually, I want to clarify or correct it because it ties into what you said about affirmations and really believing it. I remember now when she was there and we're working together, she's lying there, she's got some acupuncture needles in, the laser, and we've been doing the mind-body stuff. And she clearly said, I'm a mom and I know I'm a mom. Like she, she wasn't sure how it was going to happen, but she just felt so confident that it was going to happen for her. Right. And she wasn't mm -hmm. clear how it was going to happen. She was not open to IVF for donor egg cycle, but she was definitely open to adoption, hoping it would happen naturally, which it ended up for her. So I did want to clarify that because I do remember that day. And I've seen this in other women where there's this knowingness. And you talked about, again, being the authority and this believing as if you, you'll have it. And it's just, I've seen this only in a, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. I can count on one hand where. The no is not an answer for them, and there's this belief that they have, and it goes against modern medicine. Some of them, when they say, "I'm going to have this baby," but they're like, "No, it's it's happened." Well, we know, you know, the body is is quite malleable, and you know, the whole mind body connection. You know, Candace Pert wrote molecules of emotion. I mean, in the '70s, I mean, before that, we really didn't understand how the, the mind impacts the body. And vice versa. You know, now we know a lot more about the intelligence of the body, the belly brain, there's neural tissue in the heart. You know, we've got all this communication going on. And so the more that we can empower our belief, it things it can be magical. You know, and now I'm thinking of something much even further out, which is, you know, the miracles of Lords, you know, that that the Catholic Church has studied and lots of things happen, you know, they get reported, the church really drills down and there are only like 60 some that have actually been certified as miracles mm -hmm. that some of these people have, you know, like before and after x-rays where they can show that, you know, bone regroup, you know, say um, someone had bone cancer. And this missing part of their bone actually seems to have reappeared. So we don't even know, I think, what our bodies are capable of. I, I don't think we know what we're capable of. 
Well, I think, as you said at the very beginning, there's this parallel that you just, and you change lanes, you, you went into that other lane or that parallel place where you have that bone or you have this, this health. If I can put you kind of on the spot, do you have like a, a little exercise that we could do for our audiences or something um, that I could ask you to guide us through? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to share. Um, there's a short exercise that we do um, at the beginning of the movement series, the kata, but you can do it really anywhere, anytime, um, sitting or standing. So since we're sitting, we can we can do it. Except if you're um, driving or operating heavy machinery, I'm assuming, right? That if you're going to do this right now? Well. Or does it matter? Yeah, I guess it depends. Let's do it and then decide if we could operate heavy machinery. Well, thinking, I mean, while they're doing it, I, I guess for safety, if some people are listening to this while they're driving, right? Because it's a podcast. You're not going to ask them to close their eyes, for example. I Okay. No, I will not. <laughs> okay. So I'll just, I'll put it out there one more time. Just, um, is it safe for somebody to listen and do this while they're driving? I think so. Okay, good. I just wanted to check because I don't know what you're going to do, but I definitely don't want somebody to just be listening to the podcast and go, oh yeah, while they're driving and, and drive off the road. So I'd like to keep everybody safe. So perfect. All right. So we got Christina Grotti going to take us through a little um, inner work exercise here. I'm, I'm ready for you. All right. Okay. So this is called GRACE, and it's an acronym that stands for Ground, Relaxed, Aware, Centered, and Energized. So we begin with grounding. So we're seated. So we're just going to imagine a line of energy going down from our center, which is a little bit below your navel. So energy lines going down your legs, out the soles of your feet, and rooting deep into the earth. And you can imagine that earth energy, however you want to conceive that, coming up through your legs, up your torso, and out your crown, way up into the heavens or to the sky. And then bringing that same line of energy down through the crown, through the torso, out the legs, and rooting that back into the earth. And now for relaxation, you can begin at the crown of your head and just feeling a warm, relaxing sensation, just maybe softening your eyes, your cheeks, your jaw, letting your shoulders soften, maybe melt down towards the floor, relaxing your breathing, the diaphragm, the belly the hips. If you're standing, just letting your knees be slightly bent, not locked, and feeling your weight on the floor. So if we were standing, we would check our balance side to side, front to back, you know, and look for that equally balanced place where we feel fully aligned and supported by the earth. And now becoming aware so we'll first be aware of our internal state, you know, how are you feeling today? How's your energy? How's your mood? Do you notice anything internally in your body, any tightness or holding discomfort? Do you notice pleasure? Whatever you might notice. And then moving out, say, into your environment, in the room, 
wherever you are, just noticing, you know, is it warm? Is it cool? Is there a breeze? Do you hear sounds? What's the energy like in the space you're in? So just being fully aware. And you can even go further out of the walls as far as you'd like to. And then coming back to your body on the next is C for center. So bringing your awareness to your center, a couple of inches below the belly button, in the center of your abdomen. So in Japan, they call it the hara. The hara is considered to be uh, the area of the center of our physical mass of our body. Some people consider it the center of intention. And we like to, when we do the movements, we move from center or from hara. So just bringing your awareness there for a moment. And you can ask yourself, you know, how you would like to move from this place to express your highest and best self. And then lastly, from the center, we're going to energize. So you can reach your arms out unless you're driving. Spread out your fingers and just imagine that you've got high voltage energy streaming out of your fingertips, out of your entire body, you know, your chest, the backs of your knees, you know, your head, like you're radiating energy in all directions and just check to see that it's equal and even and you can move a little with that energy. I imagine it as sort of lighting up like a light bulb. This is our greater energy field that we can start to to feel our way into. And just bringing that to a close, you can just sort of stay in that energized state as you go into the rest of your day. So obviously this is quick. You know, you could go in a restroom and do it. You could. Nobody has to even know you're doing it if you don't move your hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for this exercise. I love it. Grace, ground, relax, aware, center, and energize. Christina, where can our listeners learn more about you? So your IG handle or Facebook or websites, where can they learn? If they want to experience your treatments or learn more about ITP. Do you have some resources you can share? And then we'll do our best to make sure they get included in our show notes as well. I'll get you to email me them afterwards, but let's hear them. Yeah, I, certainly. Um, the resource I would point people to is our website for ITP International. So that's the organization that stewards this practice. And we have workshops and lots of free stuff online. So it's itp-international.org. Our book will be coming out hopefully in the next month or so called Living an Extraordinary Life, uh, The Magic of Integral Transformative Practice. So it should be available by the, because when we release this, so your book will be out. And so can we hear the title again? It's Living an Extraordinary Life, The Magic of Integral Transformative Practice. Excellent. We'll include that in the show notes too. Thank you. Yeah. So that should be on Amazon and there'll be um, a paperback and a ebook version of that. And there are a lot of resources on the website now um, in our library that people can go to to learn more about the practices. 
Perfect. Christina, thank you so much for being born and thank you so much for sharing your um, knowledge, experience and wisdom as well with me and our listeners. It's truly appreciative. It's always a pleasure for me to share this work and I hope that it'll be beneficial to um, all your listeners. Thank you. If you're looking for support to grow your family, contact AccuBalance Wellness Center. At AccuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach, using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca, that's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious. And for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.